Oh, good evening. <laughs> Can we restart? <laughs> good evening. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> it's good to be here again with you all this evening on this Lord's Day to come and to worship and song and the reading and preaching of the Word. Tonight we're going to be looking again at Numbers chapter 3, if you want to go ahead and be turning there with me. We're going to look at the conclusion of this chapter tonight, the last few verses, verses 40 through 51, as a quick reminder of what Dallas, Clark, and Christian have gone through thus far. Dallas started us out in the first chapter giving us a census account of the able-bodied men who were willing and able to fight, should the need be. And then Clark, in the second chapter, explained to us the arrangement of the camp, and we saw there the significance and the symbolism of the way that the camp was structured, which gave us an insight into how the Lord interacts with his people. Um, and then two weeks ago, Christian gave us the first 39 verses of chapter 3, where we saw the census record of the Levites. And we're going to look at that some more tonight as we examine this text about the redemption of the firstborn. So let's go ahead and do that now. We'll read these verses and then we'll get into some specifics about them. Beginning in verse 40. And the Lord said to Moses, List all the firstborn males of the people of Israel from a month old and upward, taking the number of their names. And you shall take the Levites for me. I am the Lord, instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel, and the cattle of the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the cattle of the people of Israel. So Moses listed all the firstborn among the people of Israel as the Lord commanded him. And all the firstborn males, according to the number of their names, from a month old and upward, as listed, were 22,273. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel, and the cattle of the Levites instead of their cattle. The Levites shall be mine. I am the Lord. And as the redemption price for the 273 of the firstborn of the people of Israel over and above the number of the male Levites, you shall take five shekels per head. You shall take them according to the shekel of the sanctuary, the shekel of 20 garahs, and give the money to Aaron and his sons as the redemption price for those who are over. So Moses took the redemption money from those who were over and above those redeemed by the Levites. From the firstborn of the people of Israel, he took the money, 1,365 shekels by the shekel of the sanctuary. And Moses gave the redemption money to Aaron and his sons, according to the word of the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are humbled to come once again to worship you on this Lord's day that you've given us. We pray, Lord, that our worship would be pleasing unto you, May nothing said or done dishonor you, Lord, and may every heart and mind be solely fixed on bringing you glory this evening. Might we by your grace be found serving you according to your divine and perfect regulations. And Father, may my words be only what the Holy Spirit would allow so that every word is profitable for those listening this evening, God. My desire is to teach your word faithfully. Please grant me the ability to do so for your glory and for the instruction and the encouragement of the saints. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So this text tonight, as I mentioned, focuses on the redemption of the firstborn. And in order to understand it rightly, I think we need to define a few terms, namely redemption and firstborn. And we're also going to look a little bit more at the Levites and get an understanding of who they are. Let's begin with the Levites. This, uh, the beginning of this chapter, as Christian read for us a couple weeks ago, has already explained their duties for us. In verses 1 through 4, the generations of Aaron and Moses were detailed, and then after that, in verses 5 through 13, we get the responsibilities of the Levites in regards to the tent of meeting, and then we also see that the Levites were taken from among the children of Israel instead of every firstborn, which is something we'll touch on more tonight. And then this is followed by verses 14 through 39, which detailed the, account, the counting of the Levites from their various houses and families. Within the Levites came the priesthood. The Aaron, and Aaron, the brother of Moses, and his sons served as the priests for the Israelite people, and they could perform things such as the sacrifices on behalf of the Israelites. The rest of the Levites served the tabernacle and the priests by doing tasks outlined in what Christian read and also what we'll see later in the coming weeks in chapter 4. But why are the Levites redeeming the firstborn of Israel in this passage? To understand the firstborn, uh, to, to understand that we need to understand the firstborn narrative going back to the Exodus. So if you recall from last Sunday, Dr. Adams preached from Exodus chapter 12 which detailed the Passover celebration, where Moses was instructing the, the Israelites on how to celebrate and worship according to what had been done for them in the Passover in the final plague in Egypt. If we go there quickly to, um, to Exodus chapter 12, we'll see in verse 27... This is where Moses, and again, if you were with us last week, you'll remember this from Dr. Adam's sermon. This is where Moses is instructing the Israelite parents on how to tell, or what to tell the children who ask why they're celebrating these things. He says in verse 27, You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. And as a result of this, the result of this sparing of the people of Israel, we read in chapter 13 of Exodus, in the first two verses, the Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and beast, both of man and of beast, is mine. So God spares the firstborn, and then, as a result of that, the firstborn are to be consecrated unto the Lord, devoted to the Lord's service, sacred, set apart for the Lord. We see this continued even all throughout the Old Testament, and even up into the New Testament, when Jesus himself partakes in this. If we look in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 21, the infant Jesus Christ here it says, and at the end of the eight, and at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, 
the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for, the pur- for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb, who first opens the womb, excuse me, shall be called holy to the Lord. And that 23rd verse there calls back to Exodus chapter 13, where that commandment is initially given. And so we can see here that the firstborn were committed to God as an act of worship and obedience, resulting in pouring out from God's faithfulness and sparing them during the final plague there in Egypt. And then, what is redemption? We need to understand redemption too. What's the purpose of the Levites redeeming the firstborn? Redemption is a term that doesn't pack quite the same punch for us today as it once did as it has throughout much of history, but we cannot miss the point of it tonight. We cannot, uh, we cannot afford to not understand it in its full for this text. The, the Puritans, the Reformers, the Apostles, the, all the way back to the Prophets, of course, understood the biblical theme of redemption. Uh, and while we lose that th- uh, in our common language today, it's, underst- it's important to realize that redemption refers to the buying back, a, a price paid, a deliverance of a people from servitude or death even. That's exactly what's being described in these verses tonight. Again in Exodus 13, where Moses is explaining to the Israelites the consecration of the firstborn and the feast of unleavened bread, he explains in the 15th verse of chapter 13 in Exodus, where he says, For when Pharaoh stubborns, uh, again, he's, uh, by the way, here he is explaining to the parents what they are to say when they're giving an account of uh, assuming that the children will ask why they're celebrating the feast of the unleavened bread. He says, For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, but the firstborn of of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. So any unclean animal or the firstborn Israelite male child had to be redeemed. Because the, first, the unclean animals were not pleasing sacrifices unto God, and of course, human sacrifice was forbidden. And so, redemption here was quite literally the saving of the firstborn from death via sacrifice. And then now, again, in Numbers 3, we see that the firstborn are rede- being redeemed, that the Levites are standing in the place of them in service to the priests in the tabernacle in the camp. The reason that the Levites were selected has ties back to the judgment of the idolatrous actions of the Israelites and the golden calf in Exodus 32. Let's read from that passage as well. In verse 26 of Exodus, we read, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to to and from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. 
And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. So there we see that the tribe of Levi, these Levite people, were faithful in executing the judgment that was deserved for the idolatry and the sin that the people of Israel partook in while Moses was communing with God on Mount Sinai. And so then, as a result of that obedience and that standing with the Lord and with Moses in that, in verse 29 of Exodus 32, we read, Today you have been ordained for, service, for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son and of his brother, so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. So after the Israelites had greatly sinned against God, the Levites stood with Moses. Uh, they were consecrated to the service of the sanctuary there. And much in the, much the same way now in Numbers 3, we see that the Levites were to guard the tabernacle and indeed kill any unfit person who would try to enter in to the tabernacle, into the dwelling place of the Lord. So now that we understand who the Levites are, who the firstborn are, and have a better understanding of this Old Testament re- idea of redemption, let's work through the text and notice some key elements here. Beginning naturally in verse 40, we see, the Lord said to Moses. We see that phrase again in verse 44. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, and he gives instruction in those verses and some that follow, that God uh, here, he's instructing Moses to count the firstborn. And then in verse 44, he's also instructing him to take the redemption money for the firstborn that exceed the number of eligible Levites. And how does Moses respond? We're told in verses 42 and then again in verse 49. In verse 42, though, first, so Moses listed the firstborn among the people of Israel as the Lord commanded him. And then in verse 49 and following, we read, so Moses took the redemption money from those who were over and above those redeemed by the Levites. From the firstborn of the people of Israel, he took the money, 1,365 shekels, by the shekel of the sanctuary. And Moses gave the redemption money to Aaron and his sons according to the word of the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, obviously here, we see these explicit instructions given by the Lord, and Moses, in return, follows down to the minute details. Not a shekel, not a gerah, which is a portion of that shekel, is unaccounted for. Of the 273 Levites, that, or uh, excuse me, of the 273 firstborn that were not redeemed by a Levite substitute, all 1,365 shekels were accounted for and given to Aaron and his sons, as we'll look at in a little bit. Like Moses, we are also to obey the law of the Lord. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. James 1.22, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Romans 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We are called as believers to live obedient lives. Indeed, we, are, we were incapable of such obedience prior to our salvation, 
And now in our new life, as we've been looking at in 1 Peter on Sunday mornings, we're called to live differently, called to live differently in the form of obedience to God. Speaking of obedience to God, we see also in this passage the devotion of the Levites to their service. This logic follows in verses 41 and 45. God gives the commandment for the Levites to be taken for the Lord in place of the firstborn because they are His. Since they belong to God, God is acting well within His rights to devote them to the work of the tabernacle. Similarly, we believers, having been saved, having been ransomed by God from our sin and bondage, are to be obedient in whatever the Lord calls us to do. I want to especially make this point clear for the brothers that are pursuing ministry here with us this evening. Like the Levites, we do not get to decide how we are to serve the Lord. Yes, in Titus, yes, in First and Second Timothy, we see the qualifications for those that would serve in the ministerial roles of elders and deacons and things like these. But it is God that calls. It is God that appoints. Christ, we must always remember, is head over his church. As we read in Ephesians 1, verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. So we must respond, like in the parable of the tenants, with obedience in whatever we are trust, entrusted with. I think back to Sunday school this morning where we de- zealously, we are to zealously devote ourselves to whatever it is that God has called us to do. Now looking back at our verses in Numbers 3, what is the purpose, what is going on here with the 273 extra people, as it would seem? What, why... What are they to do for their redemption? And of course, we read, it tells us that God provided instruction for how they were to be redeemed as well. And beginning in verse 44, rather, we get an explanation for how they were to be redeemed. In this command, God gives Moses the task of collecting five shekels for each of the firstborn that could not directly be redeemed by a Levite. This money was to be given to Aaron and his sons, and that makes complete sense as we follow the logical progression here, that the Levites were to, taking the place of the firstborn and serving Aaron, serving the priests in the temple. Therefore, the money collected as ransom for these firstborn, the 273 firstborn, were, was to be given also to Aaron and his sons for service of the priests in the tabernacle. Then, uh, that price was... Um, Excuse me. So God provided a way for them to still be redeemed. The price of redemption is always another life. The, there were 22,000 Levites that took the place of 22,000 of those firstborn. And then the, the 273 others that were still not accounted for paid that five, the five shekels to redeem them as each firstborn requires a direct redemption be provided on their behalf. There are commentators that uh, quarrel over how the 273 were decided for who should pay over who would be provided the Levite uh, service. 
that's not important for us this evening, but I do want to note that however that was taken care of is not important as, as much as these numbers represent that God requires that one-to-one redemption. And so now we come to the idea of Christian redemption today. What I want you to look at in these verses is how the care and attention that was given to the redemption, either through these Levitical substitutes or the redemption money that was paid. Again, a a Levite couldn't serve as sort of some blanket redeemer for a mass of firstborn children. There had to be that one-to-one correlation. And I want you to realize that this is similar to uh, Christian redemption. I want to ask you all, what is the price of your redemption? Is it five shekels of silver? On the open market in the days of what we're looking at here in numbers, five shekels was roughly the price, as terrible as this sounds, of a child on the open market. Or perhaps your redemption price, being that you're an adult, would have been 50 shekels, the market price of that day. Or what if your redemption price was 500 shekels? Is that enough? Let's bring it current. $500, $5,000,000, $5,000,000,000, or $500,000,000,000, whatever the number may be. Could that redeem you? Beloved, what was your ransom? What did it take to free you, not from Egypt, but from your sin? Praise God, we were not redeemed by silver or gold. In 1 Peter we read, Verses, uh, chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like a lamb without blemish or spot. We've been redeemed by Christ's blood. Ephesians 1, 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. It was God's grace that provided the redemption of the firstborn here in this passage, and it is God's grace that provides redemption still today. Although, in, the, in Numbers here, we saw the redemption through the Levite substitutes, or the, the five shekels that were be, to be paid to the priests. Today, the cost and the value of our redemption is much different. We have the blood of Christ that has redeemed us. God, in His grace, sent His Son to die on our behalf, to shed that blood for us. And it was enough to cover all that it was intended for. There is nothing else needed beyond the blood shed of Christ. And our, being that our redemption price is so great, our devotion and our obedience should also be great and deep. Christ died to save us, and we have been saved unto good works. The redemption, that made, it makes us slaves to God. Christ has accomplished for us the impossible, the, the part that we could not. We could not provide our own redemption 
We have no redeeming quality, so to speak. In God's abundant grace, He sent Christ to pay our ransom. And now we must live wholly devoted to Him, to His commandments. If you're not a believer, then there has been no redemption paid on your behalf, though. The payment for your own sin still rests on your shoulders. The blood payment is charged to you. And if you do not repent and believe in Christ Jesus as your Savior, as your Redeemer and perfect substitute, then you will pay the price of your sins, which is death eternally. It doesn't have to be this way, though. Come to Christ. Plead His mercies. Repent and believe that Christ's atonement is enough. Then you can sing with all the saints the, the wonderful verse from In Christ Alone that as He, Christ, stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me, for I am His and He is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. You'll be free to serve and worship Him forevermore. You know, again, I think back to this morning's Sunday school lesson where James LaBelle described God as one who loves adverbs. I thought that was a very clever way of describing that God does not just desire lip service. He desires service from the heart. And so in our obedience, it's important that we have a proper posture of our hearts Otherwise, it's, it's dishonoring to Him. So I ask you all tonight to serve God with thanksgiving, recognizing what has been accomplished for us through Christ's shed blood. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Christ with fervent love and adoration. It's our spiritual worship, our reasonable service as we now stand as Christ's possession as God's possession, thank, thankful for the redemption, the ransom that was paid on our behalf through His shed blood. Let's pray. God, we're humbled to know that You sent Your Son to pay our ransom with His life. We scarcely consider with this with the attention that it deserved. Forgive us of that, Lord. Thank you for this passage in Numbers tonight. We've seen your redeeming grace displayed in it. We've seen the obedience to your commands that serve as examples for us. Help us to always remember that you are God. You are our Lord and Master. We are indebted to you. With our hearts and minds fixed on this, may we live lives devoted to your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.